I am completely worn out. Have a seat. But things are just getting warmed up. And uh, I am so, man, we're sitting down here on the front row and we're looking at each other going, man, the church is alive today and um, praising the name of Jesus. And I'm just so glad that we get to do this together. Aren't you? I mean, how horrible would it be to go through this world the way that it is and the things that we're experiencing right now and we were alone. And uh, I'm just so thankful we get to gather together like this and study the Word of God. So why don't you get out your Bibles, okay? And um, we're going to be in it today in the Word. And um, I want to just start with this because we're in the middle of this series, um, What in the World?, Make, trying to make sense of the convergence of the things that are happening that we're experiencing in the world today and biblical prophecy. And uh, this is what Jesus said in the book of Luke chapter 21. You don't have to turn there yet. In fact, if you want to start making your way, in fact, don't make your way anywhere yet. Just listen. <laughs> um, Jesus is what Jesus said in Luke 21, and he's speaking of the end times. And this is what he said. When all these things begin to happen... Stand and look up, for your salvation is near. <laughs> verse 31, hang on, verse 31 says, when you see all these things taking place, you know that the kingdom of God is very close. I want to just say, ask you the question um, and ask the question of the scriptures and of Jesus. What are the things that Jesus is talking about when you see these things happen? What are those things that are happening. That's what we're going to talk about today. In fact, let's do this. Take your Bibles now and go to 1 Timothy chapter 4. 1 Timothy chapter 4 in the New Testament. <clears throat> you know what? I, man, don't you love the Word of God? I just love the Word of God because it instructs us and it tells us and I love the fact that the Holy Spirit has been given to us to enlighten our minds to understand it. Because without him, the scripture says, your brain, your heart would not be able to understand what we're going to teach on today. And so, Lord, help us with this by your Holy Spirit. But look at verse 1 of 1 Timothy chapter 4. The Holy Spirit tells us clearly that in the last times or the last days, some will turn away from the true faith. They will devote themselves to deceptive spirits and teachings that come from demons. Such teachings come through hypocritical liars whose consciences are dead. Okay, so here's a test. True or false? Are we seeing these things happening in real time today? True. Okay? This is prophecy that has been written by the hand of Paul who said that the Spirit made it clear that in the last times these things will happen. He's talking about those who have been in the faith, people who have followed in the ways of God, people who have maybe been to church their whole lives, who maybe have been taught from the time they were babies about Jesus and about God and the fact that they need salvation. Maybe they went through a Christian school even, and then they end up going to college or some life thing happens to them and they begin to deny the fact that they understand or the, the teachings that have been implanted in them about their faith and they walk away from the faith. And they actually start following. They, they not only walk away from the true faith, they devote themselves to deceptive spirits and to teachings that come from demonic spirits. 
They follow the teachings from hypocrites and liars in our world. And I think I agree with you that we're seeing these things happen, that the Holy Spirit made clear that would happen in the last times. These are the things that Jesus is talking about. Here's just something else. Jump over to 2 Peter chapter 3, if you want to jump over there, just a few pages to your right. 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 3. Most importantly, Peter says, I want to remind you that in the last days, scoffers will come, mocking the truth and following their own desires. True or false, we're seeing these things in, in an ever-increasing manner in the days in which we live today. True or false? True. So not only are people who have been in the faith walking away from the faith, but we also have people that aren't in the faith that become mockers and they will scoff at the things of the truth, and they will follow their own desires. The scriptures are clear that we're going to be able to see these signs of the end as the end approaches. That's what Jesus is saying. You're going to see these things happen in an ever-increasing manner. In fact, while sitting on the Mount of Olives one night in right outside Jerusalem, as they, it, it was Jesus, one of Jesus' favorite places to go on the opposite side of the, um, mm -hmm. come on, somebody, man, my brain just went dead. What's the valley between the Kindred, the Kindred, the kin, huh? Yes, the Kidron Valley, thank you very much. Jerusalem's here, Kidron Valley. Mount of Olives, and you can sit on the side of the Mount of Olives and see Jerusalem. It's a beautiful sight. It's one of Jesus' favorite places to go is the Mount of Olives. And so Jesus, on the Mount of Olives one night, gave his disciples a list of signs that would indicate the end of the church age was coming close. And then he would give them some specific events that will take place during the tribulation period, and then... He gave them specific signs that would usher in his return, and then the end of the age would arrive. It's called the Olivet Discourse. He's telling about the things that would happen at the end time, and he calls them birth pains, which is a very interesting thing, meaning that they would increase in frequency and they would increase in intensity. How many of you ladies know what we're talking about or what he's talking about? Okay, Jesus, very descriptive, knows what he's talking about, doesn't waste words. This is, as you see these things happening, they will happen, these signs, these things that you will see, they will be like birth pains for the end. They will find their maximum intensity in the tribulation period, which is the end of his teaching, because he's talking about, and then I will return. And he's not talking about the rapture. He's talking about when he comes down and sets his feet on the Mount of Olives, and the Mount of Olives will split in two, and then he will go to war against the enemies of Israel and the enemies of God, and then he will reign and set up his kingdom. I believe, my friends, that we're seeing every single sign in our day, like birth pains, increasing in frequency and intensity. And I want to take you to see these signs this morning. Um, I, uh, as I, I had a plan uh, for this Sunday last week, and as I saw in your eyes, I saw some deer in the headlight looks, like 
I had never heard some of this stuff before. And so um, it's like the Lord's brought me to a screeching halt. And that's a little scary because I have plans. I've made my plans. And I work everything around my plans. And I got into the middle of my study on Tuesday when I locked down and I got halfway through the day and halfway through my study and the Lord made it clear, just stop what you're doing. I'm taking you in a different direction. I'm like, Lord, you can't. I don't have time. I got too many other things to do. He said, just listen to me. You're going to do it. And I want, he, he basically said, I want you to slow the train down a little bit, Phil. You don't have to be in a hurry to get through this stuff. Just slow the train down. And I believe he wants us to see some of the signs that Jesus said, uh, you're going to see. So let's start here. Um, I touched on this last week. So I'm going to give you six signs of the time, six of the things that Jesus said we would see as the end approaches. The first is the super sign that we talked about last week, and you find that in Ezekiel chapter 36. You might want to go to Ezekiel. We're going to burn the pages of scriptures up today. Those of you, it's, it's kind of like, do you remember, do you remember the old um, Bible drill when you were a kid? And they would call out, and you would like go to it, and the first person to get to it. So we have prizes for all those who get to these verses. I'm just kidding. But those of you who with electronic Bibles, you don't get to play because that's not fair. <laughs> Okay, so be, we're going to be in Ezekiel, and so um, get there. Um, we're going to be there for this point here. So the super sign is this, that Israel will become a nation again. And it has been prophesied, and Jesus foretold of the destruction of Jerusalem and the resulting dispersion of the Jewish people, the, the scattering of the Jewish people. All of that happened just as Jesus said it would and just as it, would, it was prophesied that it would in 70 AD, okay? But God promised hundreds of years before that time in Ezekiel chapter 36, which is where we're going to be, verse 24, I will gather you up. So after the scattering, I will gather you up from all the nations and bring you home again to your land. That's a promise and a prophecy all in the same thing. Look at, jump to Ezekiel 37, Verse 21, he says, I will gather the people of Israel from among the nations. I will bring them home to their own land from the places where they have been scattered. I will unify them into one nation on the mountains of Israel. No longer will they be divided into two nations or into two kingdoms. I would like to propose to you that the fulfillment of that prophecy happened on May the 14th, 1948. Some of you were alive then whenever you, you actually saw in your lifetime the fulfillment of this ancient prophecy written all the way back at the time of Ezekiel. Isn't that amazing? All the major end time scriptures require Israel to be three things. A literal nation again, that happened in 1948. All end time prophecies require Israel to be in control of Jerusalem. That actually happened in 1967 as a result of what was called the Six Day War. Some of you will remember that. The third thing that is yet to happen in order for the end times to be ushered in is the rebuilding of the temple in Jerusalem by God's people, which will occur sometime between right now and the midpoint of the tribulation because that has to happen before the midpoint of the tribulation. So two of the three things about Israel and the prophecies about Israel have been fulfilled. We're just waiting for the rebuilding of Jerusalem. And from what I'm told, they're all ready to go. They have everything they need to rebuild the temple in Jerusalem. Now get this, okay? This is such a cool fact that I found I can't wait to share. I couldn't wait. I'm like, I can't wait to get the church to tell them this. 
Because this is real stuff, you guys. This is not make-believe. This is real truth, and prophecy has been written thousands of years ago and is happening today. It's amazing to me. It's, it's really cranking me up. Listen to me. For 1,800 years, since the disbursement, okay, since the, the scattering of the Jewish people in 70 AD, for, almost, for over 1,800 years, there were almost no Jewish people living in Israel. And during that time, there is what they call a miraculous drought that turned Israel into a virtual wasteland during that time. In fact, they say that by the 1900s, there were only 17,000 trees left in the land of Israel, and there were no trees south of the Sea of Galilee. If you've ever been over there, you'll know exactly what I'm talking about. Everything is dead south of the Sea of Galilee. It's a literal wasteland. No one wants the land over there because there's nothing there, or there was nothing there. Are you listening? But soon after Israel's rebirth, in 1948, as a result of weather patterns somehow miraculously changing and the advancement of technology, Israel is now a lush and fruitful land again, just as God said it would be. Is that crazy good? What I want to tell you is that all the end time signs hinge on this super sign, and this sign indicates that we are living near the end of the church age, my friends, and that should wake us up. Here's the second sign I want to get to you today, the geopolitical signs. We're going to be in Ezekiel again, so just stay there. So some of you are like, huh, geo what? Geopolitical. I had to look it up. So here's what geopolitical means. The, re <laughs> the relationships between different countries, that's simply what it means. This is a very interesting study, and those of you who love these kinds of things, dive into it, just go after it. This, is, this whole thing about the geopolitical signs that we're seeing, we could spend a long time on. Um, we're not gonna do that, but I want, you to, I want to take you to Ezekiel 38, so go there with me, to the prophesied great war against Israel after her rebirth. It describes in great detail the alignment of nations like Russia, Turkey, and Iran who were going to lead a coalition of other nations in a war against Israel. Now, this has not happened. It's going to happen. And so look at this in Ezekiel 38. God is speaking to Gog of Magog. And there are, a, there are a lot of thoughts about who Gog is, all the way from a ruler in Russia or a ruler in Turkey to a demon who has influence on the rulers, okay? That's the study that you guys go get to do on your own and figure it out for yourself. But we do know that there is someone, Gog, of Magog, that God is speaking to, and this is what he says in, in verse 8 of chapter 38. And I'm going to kind of jump around through here, so, so hang with me, okay? So verse 8, a long time from now... He says to Gog, you will be called into action. Now, how, when is it going to take place? A long time from now, from when? From the time of the writing of Ezekiel 38, okay? A long time from now, you will be called into action. In the distant future, you will swoop down on the land of Israel, which will be enjoying peace after recovering from war and after its people have returned from many lands to the mountains of Israel. 
You and all your allies, a vast and awesome army, will roll down on them like a storm and cover the land like a cloud. At that time, evil thoughts will come into your mind, and you will devise a wicked scheme. You will say, Israel is an unprotected land filled with unwalled villages. I will march against her and destroy these people who live in such confidence. I will go to those formerly desolate cities that are now filled with people who have returned from exile in many nations. I will capture vast amounts of plunder, for the people are rich with livestock and other possessions now. They think the whole world revolves around them. Hello, the whole world revolves around them. They are God's chosen people. And the end time prophecy is all about God dealing with his people Israel again. He has been dealing, he set Israel aside and he's been dealing with the church for all these years and offering grace freely to those who would receive his gift of salvation. But there is coming a time and it's very soon when he is going to turn and the whole tribulation period is about working with his people again. You notice I said working with his people again. I meant Israel. Because where will we be? In heaven, because the rapture ushers in the tribulation. We'll talk about that more later. Those of you who disagree, you'll come to understand the reality. <laughs> Can I just say this? Now more than ever, the stage for this event, the Ezekiel 38 war, they call it, is fully set. The stage is ready. You can see it all over the place over there. Many believe that this attack on Israel is gonna take place in what's called the gap period, the gap between the, the rapture of the church and the beginning, the signing of the peace treaty with Israel. There is a gap period between that, they believe, and they believe that during that gap period will be this Ezekiel 38 war. When you look at geopolitical signs like the United Nations, World Economic Forum, the World Health Organization, and the European Union, the growing strength of superpowers like China, and the decline of American strength and influence, all of these are signs that the stage is set for the tribulation period and the rise of the Antichrist ushered in by this 30, Ezekiel 38 war against Israel. Now, this is, where I, this is where people get upset with me. Because um, I, I want to tell you the truth about America. Um, we are not there. I don't know where we are, but we are not described in these end times as being a superpower. Right now, we're a superpower. In fact, you do realize that one of the main reasons Israel is safe and secure and enjoying prosperity is because of the strength of America. Because we are allies, we are friends of Israel. And so part of what's happening in the Middle East and the reason that all of this isn't developing against Israel is because America is strong and they're afraid of us. Let's just be real about that. They used to be afraid of us. We are, we are growing weaker by the minute. I want, I want to pray for the release of the mind of Joe Biden, of President Biden. Because for some reason, I, I have watched him for years, and for some reason, 
It seems like, oh my word, Sean saved me from myself here. I, Sean's the guy as I feel, don't say that. I almost feel like I, we, I have seen a change and a shift in him, in his mind, that is almost, okay, because see, I'm going to get in so much trouble this, if I say this out loud, but it's like, <laughs> here's, what I, here's how I'll say it. We don't wrestle against flesh and blood. We wrestle against principalities and powers and spiritual forces that are at work in darkness. And those spiritual forces have influence on the people of this world and the leadership in this world. Amen. And they are controlling a lot of darkness that's going on in our world right now. And I believe that we are seeing the fall of America before our very eyes because we've got leadership that don't know how to lead and they especially aren't being led by the Holy Spirit of God in order to lead this nation. And so we're falling apart and, I, and I'm telling you somehow, now some people, as I'm reading all this stuff, there are so many opinions out there, but a lot of the end time prophecy experts out there, they believe that what's gonna happen is that we are going to decline to a certain point, America is, and then once the rapture happens, it will be the end of America. America will actually implode as a result of the rapture, and when that happens, then America is no longer a superpower. America is no longer an influence in the Middle East, and when America is no longer a friend of Israel, guess what? All of Israel's enemies will be emboldened and they will come against Israel, Ezekiel 38. But right now, the stage is set. They're all ready to go. They're already aligning themselves for this great prophetic war they don't even know has been prophesied that will happen and they're gonna be part of. I'm not gonna finish the sermon, I can promise you. Um, I'm on, I'm on, yeah. Let's go to the natural signs. This is, a, this is kind of an easy one. Um, go to Matthew chapter 24. So again, Jesus is talking about what will happen in the end times as we get closer to the end and these things are going to increase. These things that we're seeing today are going to increase in intensity and frequency. So verse seven of Matthew 24, Jesus says, nation will go to war against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be famines and earthquakes in many parts of the world. But all of this is only the first of the birth pains with more to come. He includes, if you go to Luke, because Luke actually describes this Olivet Discourse also. Matthew, Luke, and Mark all are part of that. Luke includes, there will be plagues. That word can actually be translated pandemic. There will be plagues in many lands. There will be terrifying things and great miraculous signs from heaven. My friends, we are seeing all of this in real time, all around us. We are seeing wildfires, out of control wildfires, like they say, we've never seen this before. My family has been impacted by the greatest fire ever to be on record in the state of California, where many of my family lost their homes in the middle of that fire. Floods, locust invasions, 
devastating hurricanes, multiples over and over and over again. Tornado outbreaks, volcanic eruptions and earthquakes all over the world, and seismic activity increasing. Anybody remember the 2004 Indian Ocean earthquake? Registered 9.3 on the Richter scale, and it sent a tsunami that killed an estimated 250,000 people. They say it could be up to 280,000 people lost their lives in an instant from a tsunami created by a giant earthquake in the ocean. This is what Jesus is talking about. Extreme weather and seismic activity are the natural, are you hearing me? Are you listening to me? Listen carefully. They are the natural result of a sin-cursed planet, not carbon emissions. Okay, just follow me, okay? Follow me. Carbon emissions may be a result of a sin-filled, people-filled, a, a world filled with sinful people. Maybe. But that's not why these things are happening. Scripture calls them, what we're seeing and what we're going to see in increasing fashion, Scripture calls them a groaning of the planet longing to be free from the curse of sin. And you're like, where do you find that, Phil? I'm glad you asked. Go to Romans chapter 8, verse 20. Romans chapter 8, verse 20. Describes what we're seeing today. Against its will, the scripture says, all creation was subjected to God's curse. Who brought God's curse upon the planet against its will? Come on, raise your hand. You know why I'm saying raise your hand? You, guys, if, if your pastor asks you to raise your hand, raise your hand. The reason I'm having you raise your hand, you're like, well, I wasn't there. You would have done the same thing. Because our hearts are wicked and deceitful above all things. Who can know them? We would, we would follow the same path that Adam and Eve did. And the scripture says that whenever they fell, sin entered the world. And what result of sin was a curse on the planet and death upon all men. Against its will, all creation was subjected to God's curse. But with eager hope, the creation, not the people, and the creation looks forward to the day when it will join God's children in glorious freedom from death and decay. For we know that all creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. Doesn't that sound familiar like the teaching of Jesus? These things will increase as we come near the end. Do you know what those who do not believe in the truth of God's scripture and the curse on the planet believe that the signs of the in nature are? Do you know what they think that they are? Climate change. That's what they think that they are because they don't know the truth that these things are going to increase. They don't know the truth that God's world, creation that he created in a perfect environment is cursed now and that the world is groaning to be redeemed. And the things that we see on our planet and things that are happening in the sky and the things that we're seeing, the increase of these things, have been prophesied that the world will continue to increase in that because it can't wait for the glorious appearing of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, who will set his foot down upon the Mount of Olives and begin the making new of all things that have been broken for so long. That's what the world is groaning for. But not the people that don't believe. 
In fact, Ocasio-Cortez is probably a prophetess and she doesn't even know it. Because she's running around like Chicken Little right now saying, if we don't stop the cows from passing gas, we're going to lose the world. The planet's going to burn up in 12 years. She could be right. You better be worried, Ocasio. You better be worried, world, because Jesus said that as it gets worse and worse in the end, the sun is going to be released. Right now, the sun's being held back. The sun will be released, and it will burn the people of the planet with fire. Kind of sound like the world's going to burn up, Ocasio? I don't know if I'm saying her name right or not, but. Did you know that not only will there be fire coming down from the sun to burn people, but at the same time, 100-pound hail balls are going to fall from the sky and crush the people on this planet? What will the world be saying? Kill all the cows and go electric on everything. That's what they'll be screaming. That's what we're warming up to. You guys, listen to me. They don't know any different. They're just trying to figure it out. What is all this that's happening? It's called biblical prophecy. It's called the effect on this planet of a sin that has come in that cursed it. You okay? Okay, I'm going to finish with this. I'm not going to get to number five and six. We'll figure that out later on. I'm going to end with the cultural sign, the cultural signs that we see. We're in Matthew 24 again, and then we're going to be in Luke 17. Jesus said that the time period before his return would be just like the days of Noah and Job. Did you hear that? Okay, so it will be just like at the end times, just like the days of Noah and Job. And he said in Matthew 24, 37, in those days before the flood, the people were enjoying banquets and parties and weddings right up to the time Noah entered his boat. People didn't realize what was going to happen until the flood came and swept them all away. And you might be saying, well, what's wrong with enjoying parties and banquets and weddings? Well, that was a nice way of saying that the people were doing whatever they felt like doing and whatever was right in their own eyes, they did, and they held nothing back of their evil, sinful desires. In fact, when you just a simple reading of Genesis chapter 5 and 6, you will see that those days were characterized by increased violence and extreme immorality. Are we seeing both of those things today? Extreme, the rise of extreme violence and extreme immorality. Absolutely. Because Jesus prophesied that it would happen. Genesis 6, 5 says that the extent of human wickedness was that the trends and the direction of people's hearts were only evil continually. That was the description of the people on the planet at that time. God tells us that he, could, he searched the earth and he could only find one righteous man on the earth, and his name was Noah. Does that scare you? 
as it was in the days of Noah and Job, so it will be in the last days. <sighs> Sexual immorality and violence have always been part of our culture. We know that. Um, from all of time, all of humanity has been, but not at the levels that we see today. It's getting worse day by day. Immorality is being celebrated and encouraged and I would say forced upon our children. Actually forced upon our children and people, supposedly good people, are fighting to keep it in the teaching curriculums and in the libraries of our kids and hiding it from the parents. And one of the things that the pandemic did when the kids stayed home at school was open up the doors for parents to actually see what their kids are being taught. And the parents are going, hang on a second. You're not gonna teach my kids this. Oh, hang on a second. You are a terrorist. Are you kidding me? Now parents are not allowed in our culture, they're not allowed to rise up and say, uh, no, excuse me, you're not gonna teach that to my children without being labeled some kind of domestic terrorist. How ridiculous is our world getting? This is the culture. But what I want you to hear is that Jesus said, don't be surprised at this. This is the thing that's going to happen. Your culture is gonna get worse and worse. Many of us believe we need to stand up and do something about it. I'm gonna talk about that next week, so I'm not gonna spend time here except to say this. And you're not gonna like me to say this, but you can't stop prophecy. And though there is something, there is a path for us to live in the midst of all of this, and we're gonna talk about that in depth, you can't stop prophecy. Things are going to get worse and worse. As it was in the day of Noah and the day of Job. What was it like in the day of Job? Why do I keep saying Job? It's not what I'm talking about. The day of Lot is what I'm talking about. You remember Sodom and Gomorrah? Sexual immorality was rampant. You remember that the Lord, it says, and two angels went to visit Abraham, and Lot had pitched his tent towards Sodom and lived amongst the people of Sodom and Gomorrah, and they came to Abraham, and so we're gonna go take a visit on Sodom because we hear, we can hear, we, can, we know that the, the immorality that's rising up from those cities. And remember, Abraham starts to negotiate with God, and and, and he, actually, the Lord and the angels, the Lord said to the angels, should we tell Abraham what's going on? And he decided he was going to, so he sends the angels on ahead and he spends time with Abraham and he says, this is what's gonna happen, I'm gonna destroy, I'm gonna destroy Lot, uh, Sodom. And Abraham says, well, Lord, um, what if there's some righteous people there? Oh, there's no righteous people there. Well, what if there are? Would you spare the city for 50 people? If there's 50 people in there, would you spare the city? And the Lord said, yeah, I'll spare the city for 50. And then Abraham goes, um, oh, okay, that seemed easy. So what if there's only 40 people? Would you save the city if there's 40 righteous people in Sodom? And the Lord's like, yeah, I'll save, I'll save the city if there's 40. 
okay, Lord, forgive me for asking, but if you're willing to do 40, would you be willing to do 30? Okay, what's in, what's in Abraham's mind? Abraham knew how bad it was. Would you be willing to spare the city if there's 30? And the Lord goes, I'll, be, I'll spare the city if there's 30. Okay, Lord, please, don't get mad at me. If, what if there's only 20? Would you be willing to save the city if there's only 20 people, 20 righteous people? Even for 20, Abraham, I will, say, I will spare the city. Okay, Lord, can I just ask you one more time? And please don't kill me, okay? But what if there's only 10? Would you spare the city if there was just 10? Even for 10, I will spare the city. And the Lord leaves. They get to Sodom and Gomorrah and find out they can't find 10 people. They could only find four. And here's the crazy thing that the angels said to, to Lot, get ready to get your family out because the Lord's going to destroy the city. And he's like, oh, don't destroy the city. No, you, you get out of the city. The Lord is going to destroy the city. Well, can we just go talk to my, my future son-in-laws because my daughters have fiancés and can I go talk to them? And when he went and talked to them and said, the Lord's going to destroy the city because of the wickedness, they laughed at him. They thought he was crazy. Okay, what does it say in the scripture about the end time? They will be mockers of the truth. They won't listen to the truth. As it was in the day of Noah and the day of Lot, so it will be in the return of the Son of Man. The homosexual community showed up on the doorstep of Lot and insisted, if you remember, insisted on giving them, give us those two angels that we saw come into your to your room, let us have our way with them. And the pathetic thing was that Lot's response wasn't, get out of here. You have no business here. His response was, hey, just take my daughters and do, have your way with them. Do whatever you want with them, but please don't, don't take these guests in my home. That's what we're doing with our children today. We are sacrificing the children on the altar of sexual immorality and sexual lustful desires of, God's, of people, not God's people, of people on the planet. From the late 60s to today, we have watched the world plunge into the depths of sexual depravity described in Romans chapter 1. Romans chapter 1 says this, they are doing whatever shameful things their hearts desired. And as a result, they did vile and degrading things with each other's bodies. They traded the truth about God for a lie, so God abandoned them to their shameful desires. Even women turned against the natural way to have sex and instead indulged in sin with each other. And the men, instead of having sexual relationships with women, burned with lust for each other. Men doing, what's the name they use for this? Shameful things with other men. And as a result of this sin, they suffered within themselves the penalty they deserved. And I'm not supposed to talk about this. I'm not supposed to speak against this. Well, guess what? I'm not. I'm just reading to you what the Bible says. We're like in the days of Noah and the days of Lot. And judgment came upon them. And judgment is coming upon the world because the world is living like this. The wrath of God is coming upon all those who suppress the truth by their wickedness. 
I'm not making that up. 1 Corinthians 6, 9. Look at it with me. Don't you realize that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Don't fool yourselves. Those who indulge in sexual sin or who worship idols or commit adultery or practice homosexuality or are thieves or greedy people or drunkards or are abusive or cheap people, none of these will inherit the kingdom of God. Sounds like a pretty extensive list. But what are the very next words? Notice the very next words. Some of you were once like that. Reality is all of us were just like that. At various degrees, we all were dead in our sins. We were held by the chains of our sins that we sing about that God releases for us. We were all held by that sin. You're no better and no different than anybody else. Your sin is sin. And God says, only takes one sin, and it doesn't matter what degree that sin is, to take you to hell and to damn you to hell. We get all bound up about what kind of sin there is, and there is, there is horrible, horrible, evil things happening in our world. And I'm not downplaying that, but what I am saying is that some of us were just like that. All of us were dead in our trespasses and sins before we came to Christ. Some of you were once like that, but <laughs> you were cleansed. You were made holy. You were made right by God, by, by, with God, by calling on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. The solution to pollution is salvation. Your lives, our lives are wrecked by sin. And Jesus, and God, because of his great love for us, sent his son Jesus to die for us while we were still sinners. The call is for people to repent and be saved while there is still time. There's only one way, Jesus said, to salvation. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. He said, there are two roads to heaven. Sorry, there are two roads to eternity. Jesus said, there is a wide road that leads to death and leads to destruction and judgment. I didn't say, I'm not saying this, I'm not making this up, Jesus said it, and many will find that way. There is a narrow road that leads to life. Through me, through the cross of Jesus Christ, and few there are that will find it. That's heartbreaking. There's a statistic that says that only 20% of the people sitting in evangelical churches are truly saved. I don't want to believe that. But every time I say that, I have a pastor friend who will type me, type and he's probably listening right now and he's going to type this in. You're wrong, Phil, that's too high of a percentage. What did Jesus say? There is a wide road that leads to death, and many will find it. There is a narrow road that leads to life, and few there are that will find it. In fact, Jesus said that in the end, when all men will stand before me, 
and give an account of their lives, many people will say, let me in. And he's going to say, um, who are you? Gabriel, is, is his name written here? Is her name written here? I don't see it anywhere. Who are you? Oh, I'm, I'm Phil. I was in church every week. I gave money. I served on the children's ministry. I did all these wonderful things in your name. What do you mean you don't know me? And he's going to go, I'm sorry, but I never knew you. Because there are a whole lot of people that are all about religion, but not about the relationship. There are all kinds of people that are all about serving Jesus in some way, but they don't even know who Jesus is. He is like some kind of figure that they know about, but they don't know him. They've never humbled themselves and repented of their sins and received the Lord Jesus Christ as their Savior. And the horrible reality is that there are many who will enter eternity and think, let me in. I'm one of yours. And he's going to go, I don't even know who you are. And if 20% of evangelical church attenders are the only believers, the true believers, well, then let's play this little game like we used to play whenever we were in school, okay? We're going to pick teams, okay? So count off. No, one. 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 Three. Three. One. Four. Okay, wait. What are you? One. Two, three, four, five. You get a buy on this one. All the ones stand up. All the ones stand up. These are the only true believers. One in five are true, truly saved and are believers. Does that scare you? Does that freak you out just a little bit? You see what you're doing right now is you're going, oh, yeah, but it's not true. How do we know? All the two, three, four, fives stand up, please. These are all the ones that I want to speak to right now. And I've got you. Here's what I want you to know. Life is short and eternity is long. And you are not a body with a soul, you are an eternal soul with a temporal body. Your body is going to give out and it's gonna drop over and it's gonna die and you don't know when. It might be tomorrow. You might not make it through the rest of this sermon. You have no control over that. You can just drop over dead. We see it happen all the time. You are a eternal soul and when your body does drop, your soul is going to live on in eternity somewhere. And the Bible says in one of two places, either heaven, which is a place of glory with the Lord forever, or a place of eternal torment and judgment separated from God called hell, where you will pay the price of your sins for the rest of eternity. Because you didn't, while you were in your body, 
you didn't receive the payment that has already been paid for you for your sins. Jesus took that payment for you, allowed his body to be sacrificed and shed his blood so that you can have forgiveness of sins. But because you didn't receive that and your body dropped over, your eternal soul enters into a place called hell and will be there forever. That's the message that people mock in this world. That's not going to happen. That's just a fairy tale. No, it is not. It is reality. It is true. A hundred years from now, you will know where you are. You will know who you are. And you will be fully aware of where you are. Right now you're saying, why do you keep looking at me? <laughs> this is a message for everyone who does not truly know the Lord. A thousand years from now, you will still be alert. You will still know who you are. You will still know where you are. You'll be fully aware. I can say 10,000 years from now. I can say 100,000 years from now. And I can say eternity. For all eternity, you will know who you are, where you are. You will be fully aware. And you will know then what you can only know by faith today. That outside of a relationship with Jesus Christ, you will be eternally damned in your sin. The Bible is clear. There's no doubting it. The times are racing upon us of the end. And when the end comes, it will be too late to accept Christ as your Savior. Right now, thank God, we live in a time where salvation is free and grace is free and it is freely being poured out and the Holy Spirit is opening the hearts and minds of people and the hearts of people that do not know him and he's saving them. I didn't get to talk about the spiritual work, the spiritual signs that we see in the world. Thousands of people are coming to Christ right now because the Spirit's being poured out like never before, and thousands of people are being saved right now in the darkest of places. Thousands of believers coming to Christ in China, communist China, in Iran. Today is the day of salvation. Scripture says, today if you hear his voice, do not harden your heart. Give your heart to the Lord while there's still time. Trying to scare us, Phil? Nope. Nope. But it's scary, isn't it? I'm not trying to scare anybody. I love you so much that I want you to hear that you can be saved today. And you might be hearing my voice and you're like, I really don't know if I'm saved or not. The reason you're hearing me today is an invitation of the Holy Spirit to be saved. Don't leave this place. Don't click off your device wherever you're watching without giving your heart to Jesus or asking somebody to help you find Jesus. I want to close with a passage of scripture, if that's okay. And I know we're way over time, but you all right with that? 
I want you to hear this. Peter says this. I want to remind you that in the last days, scoffers will come, mocking the truth and following their own evil desires. They will say, what happened to the promise that Jesus is coming again? From before the times of our ancestors, everything has remained the same the world, in the way the world was first created. That's what the world is saying. Verse eight, but you must not forget this one thing, dear friends. A day is like a thousand years to the Lord, and a thousand years is like a day. The Lord isn't really being slow about his promise, as some people think. No, he is being patient. Are you listening? He's being patient for your sake. He does not want anyone to be destroyed. Your passage of your Bible might say anyone to perish, but wants everyone to repent. But the day of the Lord will come as unexpectedly as a thief, and then the heavens will pass away with a terrible noise, and the very elements themselves will disappear in fire, and the earth and everything on it will be found to deserve judgment. Since everything around us is going to be destroyed like this, what holy and godly lives you should live looking forward to the day of God and hurrying it along. On that day, he will set the heavens on fire and the elements will melt away in the flames. But we are looking forward to the new heavens and the new earth that he has promised, a world filled with God's righteousness. And so, my dear friends, while you are waiting for these things to happen, make every effort to be found living peaceful lives that are pure and blameless in his sight. The message for us are this. There are two people in this room today, those who know Christ and those who do not know Christ, and there's nobody in between. Those of you who know Christ, as we see these days approaching, you're not to be afraid. You're not to be terrified. You're to live even more for the Lord. You are to dive deep into righteousness and holy living, pure righteous living before the world, and we have a job to do. But the message for those of you who don't know the Lord is repent and be saved today because the time is drawing near. Let's stand together and let me close in prayer. Father, we love you. And I thank you that you loved us so much that you wrote down the things that are to come to warn us of the days that are coming ahead. I just want to pray for those brothers and sisters here that they know you Lord they've given their heart to you they are truly saved but they are not living for you and for whatever reason many many different reasons maybe they're angry with you about something because their life didn't go the way it's gone for some reason they are falling away and they are not serving you they're not in with you. They're not abiding in you. They're not serving you as their king. I pray that you will break their hearts and that they will turn from their ways. Stop grieving the Holy Spirit so that they can be pillars of light in this community and in this world the way that you had planned for them to be and all the more as we see the day approaching. 
I pray for those who forsake the assembly of the church for a whole host of reasons. I pray that they will be convicted by the Spirit of God to not stop coming to the gathering, that they will not forsake the assembly and all the more as we see the day approaching. And I pray for the souls of those who do not know you that are here listening to my voice and those all over the world that need Jesus, that they will hear your voice today and they will receive your gift of salvation. They will repent of their sins and confess you as Lord and all the more as we see the day approaching. Do a work in this place, Lord, in all of our hearts, in Jesus' powerful name, the name that is above every name, the name that is breaking all the chains that sin has us bound by, Jesus Christ. Amen. My friends, we are down here in the front to help you in any spiritual need that you have. We would love to help you. Those of you who are online with us, you can find the same help. God bless you as you go serve the Lord, especially as you see the days ahead. Thank you for joining our worship service today. Our prayer is that God is using the worship and the message to inspire you to love him, love people, and influence the world with the gospel of Jesus Christ. If you made a spiritual decision today or would like somebody to pray with you, you can let us know by clicking the connection card link. If you haven't yet, you can download our church app where we post upcoming events and announcements and you can share this week's message with a friend. You can also check out our website at fbcelkart.org to stay connected with us. God bless, have a great week, and we'll see you back here next Sunday.